When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, the Colts keep Jonathan Taylor. No big surprise, but they do put him on pup, which means he misses the first four games of the year. Vogue magazine celebrates dudes competing against women. Pat McAfee, TJ Watt, $500,000. We'll talk about it as Don't At Me starts right now. Look, I don't pretend to break stories. I don't pretend to do any of that. I don't even pretend to be a journalist. You know what I am, ladies and gentlemen? I am what we call an entertainer and a damn good one. But I got to tell you, I told you all along, unless something dramatic, unless something crazy happened, Jonathan Taylor was not going to leave the Colts. I've got sources inside the Colts that continue to tell me that. Dan, don't believe about the Dolphins. Don't believe about the Eagles. Don't believe about the teams that everyone is writing. They may and they have made offers, but Jimmy Ursay and the Ursay family was not going to trade Jonathan Taylor unless there was just some type of blockbuster. But now it gets interesting. Now is where it really starts to unfold. One question, and this is the question, if you're not from Indianapolis, this is the question that folks in Indy have. Is he hurt? Now, isn't this weird that you got a guy who's an NFL stud, you got a guy that has always been to practice, you got a guy last year they talked about he had never missed a practice going back to junior high when he got hurt this year, and we are questioning whether or not he is hurt. Ankle surgery back in November, his season was over, was expected to be ready for training camp. Well, guess what? The only thing he was ready to do was hang out. Sweatsuit, sweat top, hoodie, sweatshirt, and hang out with his teammates watching dap people up. Now, is that because of a contract dispute? Is that because he's sad? Or is that because he's hurt? And then if you remember, oh, I don't know, about the middle of training camp, Mike Chappell, who is the one honorable print media person in Colts media, print media, said, well, I'm here and he's got a back issue. Jonathan Taylor put out a tweet. There is no back issue. What are you talking about? get different sources. So here we go again, Colts fans. Peyton Manning, we never knew what his injury was. My coworker JMV broke the story, had a guy tell him, actually it's about this time of year, it was a Labor Day weekend, I believe that that came out. Peyton Manning into Andrew Luck. Oh my God, I was the only one that knew that Andrew Luck had injured himself in a snowboarding accident, had to be airlifted from a mountain. Well, Andrew Luck then, after some rehab going back, played 16 games and went to the Pro Bowl. 16 games, went to the Pro Bowl, openly talked about how much fun he was having. Training can't come, and it's the exact same situation. He's not playing. Why isn't he playing? One day, it was the ankle. Then it was the calf. Then it was a soft tissue. Next thing you know, uh, August 24th, which is a great day in my life, And I'll explain, August 24th, Andrew Luck booed off the field when Adam Schefter and others broke the news that Luck, while on the sidelines with the Colts, was planning to retire. Jimmy Ursay gave him $24 million. So here we are again. Now, 
I'm not going to lie to you. I don't pay attention to every single team in the NFL as closely as I do the Colts. I do pay attention to stars like Von Miller is going on pup, missing four games, that kind of thing. But I'm sitting here saying to myself, isn't this odd that if you were going to rank who are the three best players uh, Colts since 2000, I think you could argue Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck. There are others that jump in front of Jonathan Taylor. Don't get me wrong. But Jonathan Taylor is the best running back the Colts have had since Eric Dickerson. And he's not playing. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, even my people inside the Colts don't know when he will play, if he will play, if he is hurt, if he is not hurt. It's the damnedest thing you're ever seeing. But I know this. The Ursay family was going to do two things. One, demand high price. And two, show Jonathan Taylor, hey, dude, there really isn't a market for you. I called, actually, that's a lie. I was having beers last night, played golf with a guy who deals with professional athletes in finances. Because I have said, give him four years, 48 million, give him five years, 60, and let's get this done. He's like, no, that doesn't work that way. Here's how it works. Guaranteed money is the only thing that these guys are talking about, only thing that players of that ilk want. You see it all the time with quarterbacks. What's the guarantee? Jonathan Taylor wants guaranteed money. The Colts don't want to guarantee anything. Why? He ain't a quarterback. Why? He's hurt. Why? He hadn't practiced. There's no leverage here for Jonathan Taylor. So we'll see how this unfolds, but frankly, it's not a surprise that the Colts did not trade Taylor. It just isn't. So what happens next? He goes on pop. That's four weeks. Actually, that's five weeks because you got this week. So you got five weeks. Dude ain't healthy then. I don't know what to tell you. Here's the reason. He's at the back end of an injury that was supposed to have him ready by training camp. And now he's got an additional five weeks. Understand this. Most times when you have surgery in the NFL, what is the time frame? Yeah, six to eight weeks. We're going on a long time here with Jonathan Taylor, and I'm telling you, this is something to watch. I have not heard one of these national guys, Schefter and others, talk about this. All they're reporting on is the supposed deal. Mm, This is deeper than that. I hope week five he's out there because I'm a Colts fan. I'm a Jonathan Taylor fan. But this is eerily familiar with what's been going on with the Colts for a long, long, long time. There really were no interesting cuts. Colt McCoy getting cut. Who's going to be the quarterback? Josh Dobbs is going to be the quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray's on pup. It's really, there really wasn't anything that fascinating. In our world, Ben Banigou got cut by the Cowboys. Listen to this. Ben Banigou, who you've never heard of, was a second-round pick that everybody talked about how good he was going to be. He was taken in front of D.K. Metcalf. He was taken in front of Debo Samuels. He was taken in front of Ucha Capesta. My eyes are burning. He was taken in front of A.J. Brown. I think he had five tackles with the Colts, something like that, in three years, whatever it was, and he just got cut. That's the most interesting thing to me. How, with all this scouting, needing a wide receiver, do our Colts screw it up as badly? Now, I guarantee every team has this, but it seems like teams like the 49ers go ahead and figure it out, doesn't it? It's, oh, wait a second. 
Jimmy G, you're hurt. Let's get Brock Heward in here or Brock Purdy or whatever the hell his name is. Ah, we'll go with. What? Huh? We screwed up on Trey Lance. Yeah, we'll get rid of him. We'll get a draft choice. Don't worry about it. We still got Brock Purdy in here and we'll still win. Colts, because of malfeasance, and your team probably too if your team is the Bears, Colts, because of malfeasance, have sunk and continue to sink and they can't get out. And it has a little bit to do with Andrew Luck retiring, but not everything to do with Andrew Luck retiring. It's interesting. It's going to be very, 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 very fascinating. Very fascinating what the hell happens here with not only the Colts, but other teams. Hey, uh, we talked about this just a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a Nikki Haley fan. I, I, I I think it's time for a woman president. Gritty, what do you think? I think it is. I think it's time for a woman president. I think it's time we got rocking and rolling. I think it is time. And I'm not sure Nikki Haley is the one, but I am for damn sure that, oh, God, am I sure that Kamala Harris isn't the one. Kamala Harris, I wouldn't lead. She can't lead blind turkeys to take a dump. You know, the old saying is horse to water. That kind of, uh-uh. You got blind turkeys. They don't know where they're going. They need leadership. Kamala Harris couldn't lead blind turkeys to take a crap. Well, guess what? Jamel Hill calls Nikki Haley a racist. Why, you ask? A sick racist. Why, you ask? Well, because she doesn't want Kamala Harris to be president. Neither do I. Neither do you. Neither do 99.9% of people. So part of the reason racism is such a terrible sickness in this country is because politicians like this know they can rally a certain base with fear of, oh my God, a black woman might be president if you don't vote for me. Then we want to act all surprised when the most hateful part of the base decides to need to act out on their feelings of hate. Well, you know what? Tough. Sue us. Sue everybody that doesn't want Kamala Harris to be president. And by the way, is she black? And by the way, I get it. I get it. That She's trying to tie the heinous murders in Jacksonville by the white dude into this. Uh, you can tie the beatings of white women, the shooting of white dudes by black guys into this too if you want. I mean, it ain't about racism. It's about evil people that are racist. So you can tie it in all you want. But I'm with Nikki Haley. A vote for Joe Biden is a vote for Kamala Harris. And if you want Kamala Harris in the White House, you're nuts. That woman is awful. Look at that. It's just so unlikable. Incredibly unlikable. You actually have to ask, what's her husband thinking? Like, what's that dude thinking? What's on his mind? I mean, maybe she throws him a good one. I don't know. But I'm just saying, you cannot, ladies and gentlemen, you absolutely cannot have this woman as the president. You can't do it. And if that's racist, according to Jamel Harris, God bless Jamel Harris. They ain't racist. It's just common sense. It's just called paying attention. And nothing to do with a black woman. She ain't even black. I'm not, I don't know. Maybe Jamel Harris is. Who knows? I don't know. But I'll say this. It got nothing to do with a black woman. It's got to do with a stone-cold idiot, uh, even a bigger idiot, than the senile, demented one that is currently in the White House. You know, we've been on this story for a long time. We've been on this story for a while. Uh, We've had representatives, this Redskins petition. Redskins petition, they want the Redskins name back, all right? 
So, so, Christina King is saying, you understand that the people that started this petition is a fake group, right? They didn't seem fake to me. NAGA President Eunice Davidson said, we're not a fake group. We're tribal enrolled members from tribes across the United States. Now, this is interesting because you always see, and it's, you don't always see, but oftentimes times you see the, quote, disadvantaged groups arguing amongst each other. You see it all the time, all the time. So now you got a group that wants to bring the Redskins back, and not surprisingly, you got a group that doesn't want to bring the Redskins back. I get all that. I do. But you don't have to say one's fake and one's not fake, particularly when one, ladies and gentlemen, is tribal enrolled, which means they have status as a, as a Indian tribe. They have that status. I don't understand why, well, it's fake. No, it's the, no, okay. Really? Fine. You don't want to do it? Fine. You don't want them in? Fine. But as Eunice Davidson said, hey, look, we're not a fake group. We're tribal enrolled members. She'd be the president. Nonprofit, Native American Guardians Association. So you know what? I'm anxious to see what happens. Because when we talked about this story and had one of the leaders on a few months ago or maybe a month ago, I was stunned by the reaction from various people, how much they wanted the Redskins back. And it wasn't just... It wasn't just my Twitter or it was when I did some research about it. I found that there is a real movement to get the Redskins name back. There's not a chance in holy hell it's going to happen. Ah, hell. Look, everybody is still afraid, no matter what anybody says. You know, Burgess Owens came on the show and said, hey, it's time, the time for being afraid to speak out is over. I don't know that that's true when it comes to things like whether the Redskins should be named the Redskins. Me personally, I don't care. I like the Redskins name. I like the Redskins-Cowboys rivalry. It felt like the real rivalry when it was Redskins-Cowboys when I was a kid and growing up. But personally, I don't care. I think this logo stinks. I thought the other Redskin logo was better. He was an actual chief. He was an actual warrior in real life. They were celebrating warriors people going into battle, winning battles, winning wars. But hey, I get it, man. We, we cater, and we will continue to cater until we decide not to cater. Hey, uh, America's most liberal rock star, I guess he's still a rock star, Johnny Cougar Mellencamp. Johnny Coog, I call him the Coog. I always liked the Coog. I had no problem with the Coog. When I was at Indiana as a freshman, I'm walking across campus, hot girl, Laura Naraki, comes up to me. She was a year ahead of me at Andran. She goes, hey, Dan, we're all going to John Cougar's house. He's going to play a concert. Cougar knew hot girl. Cougar understood it. I'm like, who's Johnny Cougar? I didn't know. If it wasn't Aerosmith or Journey or Foreigner or, I don't know, Cheap Trick or REO, I didn't know who the hell they were. Rush. Well, I know. Apparently, it was John Cougar Mellencamp. John Cougar Mellencamp doesn't stand for the national anthem. John Cougar Mellencamp is the most actually probably at the top of the list. I don't want to say most, but probably at the top of the list of white dudes to call other white dudes racist. Here's Johnny Cougar Mellencamp with Bill Maher. 
Right. Listen, I mean, Dave no, Winfield no, has some beefs no, against no Steinbrenner, I'm no sure. No doubt there is one or two percent of black people in America who have a better life. Oh, stop. That's what you think? One or two percent? Okay, let's say ten percent. I'm just not, pulling a number out of my It is. That's where it belongs. Good for Bill Maher. Look, you got to understand the kook. The kook was the dude that when his kids had birthday parties, he stood outside with his high school buddies and smoked cigarettes. How do I know this? My sister, he's got kids, my, my nephew and my son's age. They used to hang. The Coog's a mess. I mean, let's be honest. The Coog's a mess. I mean, you got to give the Coog credit. He dated Christy Brinkley. You got to give the Coog credit, although maybe not. He dated, dated Meg Ryan, but it was after she did stuff to her face. His first wife, hottest woman in America... Elaine, Mellencamp, whatever. She literally would make a room that was dark, bright. Elaine Irwin was her name. She was a Pantene model. One of the highlights of my life is when I came back to Indiana in 2007, 2008. I'm sitting at a restaurant with Angelo Pizzo, the writer of Hoosiers, and a couple other buddies. Here comes Elaine. She was good friends with Mellencamp, or she was good friends with Pizzo. She stops at our table wearing a sports bra and shorts, almost passed out. Next thing you know, she goes, oh, my God, Dan, we're so excited that you're back. I'm like, yeah, Elaine Irwin Mellencamp knows who I am. All right. Okay. Well, life is good today. All right. Okay. Life is good today. Yeah, well, the Coog, let's go. We have another video of the Coog. I, my printing is bad here. We got another video of the Coog being wacky. Oh, just so, well, let's play that one again. I want to see Bill Maher destroy him again, if you don't mind. The coup gives me gas. Let's hear it. Listen, I mean, listen, Dave no, Winfield no, has some no, beefs against no Steinbrenner, I'm no sure. No doubt there is one or two percent of black people in America who have a better life. Oh, stop. That's what you think? One or two percent? Okay, let's say ten percent. I'm just not, pulling a number out of my It is. That's where it belongs. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. You know, back on my radio days, which may be coming up soon after the first of the year, there's going to be an announcement soon. Uh, we used to do a segment called Biggins, and we celebrated big guys, big girls. So the premise was you had to call in and tell me how big you were. And if you were, let's say, 5'10", 170, I, I hung up on you. But if you were 6'3", 320, or 5'9", 410, let me tell you something. We kept you on the air. We gave you a T-shirt if you could answer trivia contests, and people just loved it. People flocked to it. It was biggins. We celebrated big fat dudes. Like, I'm not fat here or here. I'm fat from the top of my stomach to the bottom of my booty. That's it. Skinny legs, skinny arms, no chest, somewhat man boobs. But we celebrated thickness. Thickness. And we talked about it, and we did a segment. Here's the question. You go to the White Sox game. You decide, hey, look, I'm going to bring a gun to the White Sox game. Well, first, why are you bringing a gun to the White Sox game? Uh, I, I need protection, man. There was a rap concert after the White Sox game. Oh, wait, rap concert, White Sox, south side of Chicago. Nothing could go wrong here, right? It does. It gets weirder. Here's the deal. The White Sox game is over. They're going to have a rap concert. 
It gets canceled. Technical difficulties. Long story short, woman kind of shoots herself. Huh? In the stadium. Woman grazes herself, shoots herself. Listen to this. The shooting at guaranteed rate field was indeed an accidental discharge of by one of the women grazed by a bullet. She snuck the gun in past metal detectors, hiding it in the folds of her belly fat. Now, how fat do you have to be? Seriously, I went to the White Sox game, as you know, last Wednesday. A week week ago today, matter of fact. I go in, I take my keys, I take my uh, phone, I take everything out. Put it there, walk through, beep. Beep. Guy goes, hey, uh, you got any kind of fake hip or knee? I go, yeah, yeah, I got a fake right hip. He does the scanner. Beep, 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 beep. Okay. So even though this was inside my body, inside my body, covered by things. Oh, boy. The dog's going nuts. People are here. Uh, That's why you listen to this show. People are here inside my body. They still got it, all right? Guess what? She's so fat, they couldn't get it when it was in the folds of her fat. Now, I want you to think about that. This dog's making me nuts. This dog might be in the lake in a minute. No, it's not. We got painters outside. Anyway, how fat do you have to be? Hey, Lula, shut the hell up. See that? That's control, ladies and gentlemen. That's freaking control right there. Boom. Or maybe not. Anyway, I'm trying to imagine. Let's try to do it. The folds of your fat. I'm trying to get it so you can see. Let's see. Hey, Lula. 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 Come here. Come here. Come here. Leave the guys. Yeah, come here. Leave the guys alone. Come up here. Come here. Come here. Come on. I can see the guy. I can see Aaron and those guys going, please, God, don't. Please, God, don't. Uh, At the break, I'm taking Lula upstairs. I didn't know we had painters here. We got painters here. Lula's going to have to go. All right, this is my favorite video. Get ready for it. Lula, come here. Watch this video. So, some of these clowns that we see everywhere were doing what? They were blocking the street. She's going to start barking again, too. They were blocking the street. They were blocking the street in Nevada. People had to go to work. It was 120 degrees. People were stranded in their cars. It was hot, getting hotter in cars. Hey! Hey! Come here! Come here! Come here! Come here! Damn right. Nah. I'm going to grab her blood neck. You know what I mean. Indy Star. Dockage abuses dog. I can see it right now. Dockage ain't abusing nothing. Hey, you be quiet, dog. <sighs> Shush. Shush. Anyway. Uh, a ranger decided, yeah, no. You eco-warriors. Uh, let's show you.
Did anybody get that? Awesome. Awesome, you eco-warriors. Awesome. That's right. Bust right through. Take no S. People were in their cars. It was getting hot. It was getting really hot. People had to get to work. A couple people had to get to the hospital. There was a bit of a panic because it wasn't just people sitting there. They had barricades. They had some metal stuff. And you saw, you saw the ranger just say, screw this. I'm done with you fools. D-U-N. Done. And he went right to, that's how you handle things. You never apologize to these idiots. And you bust right through. I'm going to sue. Good, sue. You probably get a million. Great. But nobody lost their life. People got to the hospital. And nobody got sick. Because that army ranger did what you should do. You protected us, not worrying about some slaps. Some eco-warriors. We're eco-warriors. Oh, shut up. Uh, Brooks Kepka made the Ryder Cup team, and I'm happy about it. Brooks Kepka deserved to make the Ryder Cup team. You win the PGA, you show big in the most pressure of moments, you deserve to be on the Ryder Cup team. So Zach Johnson, who is the Ryder Cup captain, made the good choice. I don't understand Justin Thomas, but I do understand Brooks Kepka. It is not for me to decide. Maybe JT, as he is called, is a great glue guy. Maybe he's a Seinfeld kind of guy. Maybe he's the kind of guy that everybody and their mother wants to be around. But I got to tell you, Brooks Kepka and his white pants and his hot uh, wife and the fact that he shows up in big moments should have been on the team. Hell yes, he should have been on the team. Now, massive win for Live Golf. Massive win. Not kind of, sort of, maybe a win. A massive, massive win. Massive. Why? Because it showed that you can play Live Golf, you can win majors, and, ladies and gentlemen, you can get on a Ryder Cup. Why wouldn't you go to Live Golf? Explain it to me, Spanky. I'm here listening. I'm a listening. But that's a pretty big win for Phil, uh, for Phil Mickelson and the dudes on Live Golf. Like, the days of Mickelson being on the Ryder Cup are over, and Mickelson isn't going to be the Ryder Cup captain. But that just seems like white boy privilege to me. I don't know. That's what it seems like to me. Hey, let's jump around here because we're going to have Sean Alexander coming up here in a little bit. I got to tell you, uh, and I'm looking forward to Sean Alexander. 2005, Sean Alexander was the MVP of the NFL. Can you imagine? Fast forward 18 years, and you can't even get a contract if you are an NFL running back. Can't even get a contract. Here's the deal. Saquon Barkley went through all this stuff, right? All this stuff with the Giants. He now wants to be a Giant for life. How about that? Giant for life, he says, after threatening holdouts. Saquon Barkley's smart. Don't crap where you eat. Don't crap where you eat, people. Keep it moving. Keep it moving positive, particularly after they give you millions of dollars. Keep it moving. Guess what else? Dalvin Cook says we're a Super Bowl team with the Jets. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Gang Green, Super Bowl. They don't go together, not since Namath, but they're saying it. All of a sudden, did you see Josh, uh, Josh Jacobs? Josh Jacobs signed his contract with the Raiders. He is here to end the Jets' long Super Bowl drought. It's very realistic. What happened? These running backs have decided, hey, man, $12 million, hell of a lot better than nothing. 
getting on the football field in my prime, hell of a lot better than being 36 years old saying woulda, coulda, shoulda, and ended up like Le'Veon Bell. No one wants to end up like Le'Veon Bell. Don't be Le'Veon Bell. I like it. And it, it, this, I, it, well, this goes back to what I'm, I'm going to say, and I'm going to continue to say it, and I'm not going to stop saying it. Period. Jonathan Taylor, get your ass in camp. All right, we'll be right back. Lula, let's go. We're going upstairs, damn it. You can't interrupt this show. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Let's not even mess around here. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. College football is starting tomorrow, and this is a, well, it's a massive weekend. Put in $5. Yes, that's right, $5. And you get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Now think about this. You don't have to be a crazy gambler. You don't have to be Billy Walters and... Phil Mickelson, just have some fun with it. But if you're going to, I'll tell you why DraftKings is the best. I use it damn near every single day and because it's easy. You guys know me. If it's complicated, I can't do it. DraftKings makes it so easy for you to use. And look, for 5 bucks, we're going to give you 200 in bonus bets. It's going to be in increments of 25 so you can build your pot slowly. And look. You're watching a game, you got a little action on it, just makes it more fun. Hey, go to DraftKings.com, check them out, download the app, and have a blast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Neil Walker played a long time in the N, oh, excuse me, in Major League Baseball, played for a, a lot of teams, and frankly, I was always a fan. I'm going to tell you why I was a fan. I'll tell you why I was a fan, because there are certain guys that when I watched them, they always played well. Like, you may not remember this guy's name. Chris Spire was a shortstop back in the day. Chris Spire batted like 110. But every time I watched Chris Spire play, he was killing my team, the Cubs. You, and then he went to the Cubs, and he was good with the Cubs. Same with you. So I'm thrilled to have you on, Neil. Thanks for the time. Well, thanks for the intro, Dan. I appreciate you having me on. I, uh, yeah, I... I enjoy playing some some of the NL Central teams, and you know the the, the Cubbies they uh, they had their way with us in most occasions. But uh, I, I definitely enjoyed some some good moments playing against them as well. Yeah, every time I watched you play against them, you crushed my soul. Like you know, I'm 61 years old. And the only teams that I root for are my daughters, my sons, and the Cubs. Everyone else, <laughs> I have a passing interest. But I swear to God, you. Chris Spire, and there was one other dude that just killed the Cubs. And I'm, I don't even know if you did. I don't know what your average would have been. But it seemed like when I turned the TV on, you were kicking their ass. Just saying. <laughs> hey, um, I want to get into a couple things. Pittsburgh, I love the city of Pittsburgh. Used to go over when the ballpark, when I lived in Bowling Green, Ohio. Love the city. I grew up. We are family. Dave Parker, Willie Stargell. I mean, Rennie Stennett. I can go Dave Cat. I can go old school with the Pittsburgh Pirates. But the world has changed. 
How, what are the challenges of being, I guess, what you'd call a small market team? Well, uh, the number one thing is money, obviously. Um, they, uh, you have to be, you, you can't miss with, with some of these, some of these teams. And of course there are some outliers that when you talk about the, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays and, um, uh, you know, even the, the Baltimore Orioles where they've, they've ended up here, but they've gone through their struggles. And, and I think that's the biggest takeaway that, that I, uh, can remember at least from the, the 13, 14, 15 season, the last, uh, you know, winning seasons here in Pittsburgh, um, we 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 didn't miss. We we hit on all of our free agents. We had it was we had a nice nucleus, a nice core, obviously with Andrew there and and, and Pedro Alvarez and Garrett Cole uh, coming coming up quickly, and guys stayed healthy. And um, I think and I think that's that's a big part of it too. So you know the GMs do uh, do it have to do a good job and do their due diligence in the off season and figure out. Uh, what guys make the most amount of sense to come in, mixed with the prospects you have, mixed with the, the, the nucleus and core that you already have set in place. Uh, and then you have to have things go your way for 162 games, which is, a, is another challenge in baseball. So, um, you know, here in Pittsburgh, we're, we're, we're definitely moving in the right direction uh, on pace for, for uh, a double-digit wins uh, better than last year. Um, doing some of the broadcasts, you, you, we've gotten a glimpse, especially after the All-Star break, of, of, of a bunch of prospects and a bunch of kids that uh, are highly touted, not just in the organization, but uh, across the, the, the minor league organizations getting into the, uh, the prospect ranks, I guess. So it's, and of course the, the loss of O'Neill Cruz early in the season was, was not helpful. And because uh, another piece of, of, of being in uh, for the most part in small market teams is, is the depth that you typically don't have super, super deep, uh, guys and, and not uh, as many guys, uh, maybe the, the 4A type guys in, in AAA waiting. If there is, uh, you know, some guy, some of your 1A guys that that may end up going down at the major league level. Neil, I, I, I believe everything comes to money. Now, he, this is an odd thing to me. You made some trades, meaning the Los Angeles Angels. You make some trades. You get Giolito out there. You get some other guys, and now you're going to salary dump. Uh, it's 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 very odd. Economics in baseball are massive, are they not? I mean, e yes, football has a salary cap and all this stuff, but damn, the economics of this are insane. Including, you think you're a buyer at the trade deadline, and next thing you know, it don't work out. So you're trying to dump stuff it, all in the same season. Yeah, yeah, it it definitely is interesting and. Um... You know, I think you see teams like the Angels, uh, like the Mets, uh, teams that with, with, with bigger payrolls. Um, you get near the all-star break, you, you, you feel like you're within earshot of, uh, of climbing back in either the division or the wild card. And, you, you, uh, and I obviously can't speak for, for, for GMs and, and teams, but I think that they probably feel like they, they owe it to themselves, obviously, but they owe it to the, to the cities and the fans as well. So, um, it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely interesting when you when you see how uh, you know the economics on a yearly basis kind of uh, they change and evolve to some capacity, but they also uh, they also don't change very much. Um, uh, think about the Royals in 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 fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Um, you know they pushed the chips completely in, and then they had to go through a a, a huge rebuild. Uh, which they're still trying to climb out of, 
um, from doing that. So it's kind of a catch-22. You, you certainly want to be competitive every single year uh, as, as an organization, and there's just different levels of that. You know, you have the, the, the Yankees and the Red Sox and the, and the, and the Cubs uh, and the Dodgers, kind of uh, the perennial contenders pretty much every single year, the Astros. And um, then you have teams kind of in the middle. But in today's day and age, there are, there are much fewer teams that are kind of hanging in the middle. It's almost like uh, you're either in it or you're out of it. And, um, you know, your, your hope as a player especially is just having an opportunity year in and year out, uh, whether they seem good or don't seem good from day one. Uh, you you want to feel like you have an opportunity uh, toward the end of the year to at least uh, find a way to get in the playoffs any way, shape, or form. You know, you played 12 years in the uh, Major League Baseball, and so you played in an era of great players. I mean, you know, greats, all-time greats. Where do you put Otani at? Where's he at in, in a player's mind? <laughs> I I have yet to come across anybody uh, when talking about Otani that, that says that uh, he's probably going to go down as one of the uh, the the you know and, and he has he still has to put up numbers to a certain degree but when you look at the skill set uh, there I don't I don't know if we've ever seen a player like this I, I think that we've we've uh, we've seen some guys that um, you know uh, Mike Leake uh, comes to mind was was a guy that we played against a lot in Cincinnati and they would use him sometimes to hit and you'd sit there and all like wow you know this guy probably took batting practice two times this week he pitched twice and uh, they had you know their starter got knocked out in the second inning and, and they let Mike Leake hit the third and he got a he hit a double and you're you're in awe and then you think about what Otani's doing and it's it's bizarre and he's doing it as well on a team with probably the greatest greatest player of of you know our generation the the you know call it the the player the kids that are uh, you know 20 30 40 years old uh, in Mike Trout so um, so it, it, it's it's a it's such a polarizing conversation and, and uh, you just hope a guy like that is able to stay healthy for a long period of time to see what he can do and you know you also hope that kind of opens the doors to for for a next generation of players that has the talent to you know pitch and also hit uh, because for the most part when you get to you know your senior year of high school or your sophomore year junior year of college there's no there's no messing around if you're considering getting drafted you're you're either a hitter or you're a pitcher and sometimes there's some gray area but for the most part there's not uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of see because you, you, you start to hear about more and more guys getting in organizations that uh, can both hit and pitch. And a lot of times they end up having to pick one. But, you know, I would I would love to see the next uh, Otani type player. I don't know if there will ever be another Otani with the skill set that he has, but I would love to see another some more Otanis continue to come because it's only good for baseball. You know, one of the things that I have said, and this is me growing up, uh, I always think in baseball, to be truly iconic, you got to have a postseason moment. Like, and it also, I, and you know, I'm dying for Otani, I'm dying for Trout, because baseball players who I respect, like, you know, if baseball players say the guys are all time greats, that's different for me than media guys saying the guy's an all time great, just to me anyway. But I always feel like two things 
with, with the Angels. You got to have a postseason moment, and it just shows how freaking hard it is to work, win in baseball. You got the two best players in the game. You put the two best players on a basketball team, you're going to win, yeah. at least get to the NBA Finals. It just shows how freaking hard it is to win in baseball. Yeah, and, and there's so many there's so many variables, and, and you know you, you can talk about 162 games. You can talk about the health of your best players. Um, you can talk about payroll all you want, but you know when you when you get to the nuts and bolts of it, you think about the Mets this year. You think about the San Diego Padres. You think about the Yankees. Uh, these are teams that that are are going for it from day one, and we're basically not going for it until. Uh, it was it was way far down the line, uh, close to that, all, uh, you know, past the All Star break and, and creeping toward the trade deadline. So you got, like I said, you you have to have so many variables work for you over the course of 162 games. Uh, you, your leadership has to be sharp and 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 good from from the top uh, down to the players' perspective, and um, you just have to have guys that are able and willing and able to grind day in and day out, even when things aren't going well. Uh, and everybody's got to be pulling in the, in the same direction for, for things to, 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 uh, you know, to work. And then when you talk about the playoffs, uh, you know, that that's, it, it's even harder to, to everything gets put under a microscope times 10. And, uh, you know, the guys that are able to, to, to slow things down and, and uh, do it, not just not just once, but do it even more uh, than once year in and year out. Like you know, the Astros have been able to do, and the uh, you know the Dodgers consistently going deep in the playoffs. Uh, it's just impressive. But I, I I couldn't agree with you more, Dan. I nothing nothing feels more exciting than the possibility of uh, of Otani and Trout being in a uh, in a playoff run uh, for not just the, the Angels organization, but for the greater good of baseball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. It just, I, I just remember growing up and, you know, I'm old enough where the teacher brought in the TV and we could watch the Reds and the Mets in the playoffs. And, you know, I remember even back to Pete Rose knocking the living hell out of Bud Harrelson in the playoffs. And, you know, just, and Chris Shambliss hitting a home run, you know, Denny Doyle, Bucky F and Dent, you know, Aaron, Bo I mean, he just, those are the things that make it great. All right. Last thing before I let you go, it was just announced. This is just story came out. I don't know if you remember this guy. Blake Bortles was a quarterback for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Blake Bortles is in retirement. You played 12 years, minor leagues, you baseball your whole life. Now you, you're retired, but you're broadcasting, so it's a little different. But here's the kicker. Blake Bortles was so bored in retirement that he joined the construction crew that is building his own house because of boredom. So he grabbed a hammer and started he's, – he's on the crew – you guys, you, I've always said this, like, I'm 61. If I retired from whatever this job is, I'd be like, what do I do? You're like in your 30s, man. You, you, would you ever, th is retirement bored, boring or what do you got? Yeah, well, I mean, at this point, it's definitely not boring with a, with a seven and three-year-old at the house. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's right. Uh, you know, obviously, when they get a, a little more uh, – uh, self-dependent and, and and doing stuff kind of on their own, there there might be a little bit of boredom that creeps in. But uh, you know, for me, I was when I kind of prepared prepared a little bit the la my last couple years playing, trying to figure out what because uh, I had I had some guys say, hey, listen, you know, even if, if even if you don't necessarily have to do something, you should think about 
what you might want to do, whether that be, uh, you know, maybe being a, maybe being a coach, maybe being, uh, you know, uh, somehow getting into broadcasting. And fortunately for me, I, yeah. I, I being raised north of Pittsburgh. Uh, I, I had a good relationship with, with the Pirates organization, and we had some conversations uh, my last couple of years before I finished. And uh, they thought that I, I could, could possibly do it, and we gave it a try. And it, it, I, I really like it. I'm doing about a third of the games now, and <clears throat> we'll probably continue to do that. But to be involved from an arm's length is, is really fun uh, because I'd be watching most of the games anyway. I'd be watching most of the Pirates games anyway. And so it keeps me involved. It doesn't take away too much of my home time. Uh, I have some other hobbies. I enjoy golfing. I enjoy, uh, you know, doing things in the community as well. Uh, so it's a happy balance for right now. But I can certainly understand if, 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 if you know, everything stopped and, uh, and, and I didn't have some of these other outlets. It would, uh, I'd be toiling around. My wife would probably not be super thrilled with me on a day to day basis. Uh, so, so, uh, I hear a lot of stories like that from guys that finish up that don't necessarily need to play, uh, or need to work. I'm sorry. And, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out about eight months later, like, oh, geez, I need to find something to do. That's exactly right. It's like my wife yesterday, I'm like, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to go golfing. She goes, oh, great. And, it, you know, we played. And I'm like, hey, guys want to play 18 more. What do you think? She like, go, you go. What are you going to do here? I'm like, yeah, that's right. But I tell you what, I don't think I'm grabbing a hammer. I, I think I'd hurt myself. Hey, Neil, yeah. best of luck, man. It was awesome to talk to you. And uh, good luck to the Pirates. Thank you, Dan. Have a great day. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, Neil Walker, I'm telling you, man, whenever I watch the game and he was playing for the Pirates or whomever against the Cubs, he, I, again, he, he, I, he may have hit 700 in my book. Chris Spire was the same way. Man, Chris Spire was like a – Neil Walker was a good hitter, really good hitter, really good player. Uh, but Chris Spire was like a 200 hitter, and he would – every time he came up, I'm like, son of a bitch, get this guy out. And as I, you guys know me, it's, it's my team. It's, it's who I am. I don't know. But at the end of the day, man, uh, it's really, really funny. And I thank him for joining us. All right, our boy, Pat McAfee, who lives right here. Pat's a good friend. And T.J. Watt made a deal. They made a deal. Let's show you the deal. It's a big-time deal. Pat wants to give away $500,000 to charity if T.J. Watt breaks the NFL sack record. See, McAfee's got that much money in his couch. And I dig it. I'm happy for him. Let's see what McAfee had to say. Going this way, you're going this way. So I can't wait to see what you do this season. 22 and a half is a big number. You break it, we'll give uh, $500,000 to a charity of your choice. All right, we'll just make that right now. All right, that's, that's incredible. I'm here for it. I, I tell you what. I, 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 I tell you what. I, I, I'll tell you this. If Quiddy Pay gets double-digit sacks, I, I'll give $50. To the charity of Quiddy Pace. There you go. I'll give him 50 large. Yeah, you know. Come on. That's what we'll do. What would you give? Like, what would be your number? Everybody has a retirement number, right? You see that commercial, the green line, the retirement number, all that kind of stuff. What would be your max number that you would give the charity on a bet? Like, I got guys, some friends of mine the other day. Listen to this day. I think I told you about this. Their horse wins a $200,000 claiming race at Saratoga. Then, same weekend, they hit a pick six for $130,000. That's in a weekend. 
Now, these guys have big money because they bought this horse, and this horse is going to be great. And I'm going to keep you updated on this horse. Next time it runs, we're going to win some money on it. But what would be your number? I'd give you 50. My wife and I, we give a couple hundred every, uh, what do we give? I don't know. Every week to Trader's Point, I think 200, and there's Wounded Warriors, and then there's a, uh, I don't know. Then there's a, uh, what's it, Wheeler Mission. Yeah. But McAfee's going to give $500,000 to the charity of his choice. So I told my wife today, she's having a meeting about our bikes program. Hey, dial up TJ Watt. Dial up TJ Watt. See if you can talk him into us being the charity of choice if, in fact, he breaks that record. Now, I don't know he's going to break the record. I don't know he's not going to break the record. I don't, you know, what do I know? That record's a record for a reason. But 500 k Good for our man. Good for our man, McAfee. Think of, here's also some good stuff. This is good stuff. All right. UFC, UCF, Central Florida quarterback, John Riles Plumley uses NIL money. Listen to this. He's donating jersey sales to the Orlando Children's Hospital. 100% of my proceeds from my jersey sales, this quarterback, who's a really good quarterback, John Rye Plumley, from my jersey sales to the Arnold Palmer Hospital for Children. How about that? Now, look, we all complain about greed. We all complain about, well, athletes getting paid, and they're not going to know what they do with their money. Of course they do. And they're doing good things with it. We had a kid here in Indiana, Anthony Lill, paid off his sister's student loans. Now, I don't know what his sister's student loans were, but I got to tell you, they're probably fairly significant, I would think. All right, this has me pissed off. And I guess I should have led with this story because, well, we, we put it out there as what this show is going to be about. But Vogue magazine, Vogue magazine has me pissed off. Now, I don't care about Vogue magazine. I don't care about Vogue magazine today, tomorrow, or the next day. I honestly don't. Vogue magazine, but Vogue magazine can kiss my backside. Vogue magazine decided that they're going to put out a list. They're going to put out a list of powerhouse women. Now, I want you to get pissed off about this. Vogue magazine, Jen Gritty, is putting out a list of powerhouse women. Women of strength. They included a guy named Emily Bridges, a transgender woman. That's right. They included a transgender woman as their, quote, one of their, quote, powerhouse women. Now, how about that? Nobody's saying transgenderism. Don't tell me this is a powerhouse woman. This is offensive to women, real women. And I don't give a damn what anybody says about me. I don't give a damn. This is hypocrisy. This is stupidity. What they're doing is they are encouraging men that change his sex. And I'm not suggesting that men that are transitioning to women are doing it for sports. I'm not suggesting that at all. Whatever you do, I'm sure it's much deeper than that, or at least I hope it to be much deeper than that if you are a woman transitioning to a man or a man transitioning to a woman. I hope it's more than just a cycling event. But the fact of the matter is, I will say this, I will continue to say this, and I will not stop saying this no matter the attacks. This is just wrong. You want to be a transgender athlete? Let's have a segment for transgender athlete. The world is changing. 
fine. Men's group, women's group, transgender group, transgender group. Men's locker room, women's locker room, transgender locker room. That's not hating on transgender folks, but that's what they're going to tell you because that's how they swing the narrative. But Vogue magazine, including this dude, I got to tell you, and for starters, this dude is not even racing on an elite level. Yeah, that'd be like me. This Emily lady is free to write against men, but she's not been banned. Women have their own category, and it's for a reason. And it is to ensure fairness and to allow women the opportunity to win against women. I don't know. It seems legitimately to me. Out of 24 women, is there no place? Is there no place for a sportswoman who wasn't born a man? Isn't there? I mean, no. No. I mean, uh, Katerina Johnson Thompson, who we've had on this show, won the heptathlon gold. Now we didn't have her on. In the uh, world championships, Jenny Hall, Sophie Unwine were crowned triple world champions in cycling. But this single A rider is considered a powerhouse woman by Vogue magazine. Now, you may say you don't care, and that's wrong. You have to stand up at certain times for something, something, something. And this is something I choose to stand up. Dad, is this the hill you're going to die on? Yes. Yes, it is. Because I have a daughter. I have a stepdaughter. I have a wife, a mother, an ex-wife. And I don't like what's happening. I don't like the fact that we don't respect women enough. And we're going to put in Vogue magazine, powerhouse woman. Powerhouse woman. Jeez. And it's a dude. All right, Sean Alexander is going to join us top of the hour at 10 o'clock. We're going to talk to Sean. Uh, The Maxwell Award, it's actually the Sean Alexander Freshman of the Year Award, announced 37 guys, kids, that are up for its college football award. We'll see who is the best freshman in college football. But more importantly, I want you to think about this. 2005, Sean Alexander, running back for the Seattle Seahawks, was named the most valuable player in the NFL. Now, running backs can't get a contract. Now, arguably the best running back in the league, or certainly among the most five, and even play. He can't get a contract, Jonathan Taylor. They can't trade for him because the Colts either want too much or people want to offer too little because they don't know if Taylor's going to play. This is a unique perspective that Sean Alexander has. I would assume Sean Alexander would love for, I believe, running backs to get all the money they can. I want running backs to get all the money they can, but I also don't begrudge an owner for saying we ain't doing it. I don't begrudge Jimmy Ursay for saying, hey, look, you want to get mad at me, get mad at me, but here's the market, and there ain't no market. You want to get mad at me, get mad at me, but look, we can't trade for, we can't trade you. We're not giving you away. We drafted you. We developed you. We paid you. We're keeping you as we rebuild this thing. I don't blame Jimmy Ursay at all. I don't blame any owner for not trading for him. Here's how the conversation would go. Hey, Sean, or excuse me, <laughs> Sean. Hey, you. Yeah, you, Jonathan. Can you play? Uh, who's asking? Colts, no. Who's asking? Eagles. Yeah, I can play. Really? You can't? It's a mess. And I can't wait to talk to Sean Alexander about it. Like it, subscribe it, put it out. 
Let's make this show the biggest show in the world because, well, frankly, it's the best show in the world. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is the greatest backdrop we've ever had. I mean, I'm just going to tell you, if I had that, you would that's all you would see on my show right there. And I'd be giving it this, Sean Alexander, there it is. There you are. <laughs> I love it. Why not? Hell, if you got it, flood it, baby. How are you, Sean? Brother, I'm doing good, man. How you been doing? Uh, we've been doing spectacular. Nice to have you back on the show. I live in Indy. Jonathan Taylor, you won, this is unbelievable, you won the MVP 2005 as a running back. Where the running back position has gone since then is so devalued. We're here in the middle of it with Jonathan Taylor. Give me your thoughts on the running back position as a whole and what Taylor's going through right now. Yeah, you know, it's it's frustrating for any running back. And, you know, I had the same situation, you know, going to the Pro Bowl, leading the league in touchdowns. I think I might lead the league touchdowns in like my second or third year. And, you know, and I didn't go to the Pro Bowl a couple of years. There was just great running backs with me, and it was still the running back league. And then it come to contract talk, and I was kind of keeping my mouth shut, letting my agents do the work. But, like, they'd be like, oh, yeah, we might trade. Because I, I clearly understand. I was with Mike Holmgren, the great offensive genius who had – Joe Montana, then Steve Young, then he goes to Green Bay, gets Brett Favre, he comes to Seattle, and then he's trying to create all that wonderful magic. But my years, you know, it's like five years, 15 touch, fifteen plus touchdowns, all those thousand yards, and there still was this shit we pay them. And they franchised me that last, that uh, the the fifth year, and I win the MVP, break the record, uh, the record records, and win lead the league in rushing. And I felt like they gave me um, – my big contract, just kind of saying thank you. You know, we went to the Super Bowl that year, lost it. I thought we was going to return. It wasn't like, hey, here's what we think out of you the next few years. It was like, a man, you have made us, you know, from you know, sh to to sugar. You know, <laughs> you know. So we made that that program yeah. sweet. It was more of that because I was already 29 when they, you know, like you knew my best year, but they still gave me the big contract. It's not like that. So just kudos to what I say to the Seahawks for. Let me give them my best years and still paying me. And and uh, it's not like that now. They they want to make it look like there's a deal for the running back now when he's giving them their best years and not. I think the best thing the NFL could do is create something like that. If you you know, if a kid is over the top, I mean, you've breaking the team records, you're in the NFL elite, you know, you're leading the league in rushing, Josh Jacobs for you know, Bama guy, you know, you know, um, Jonathan Taylor. If you're doing that with your team, there should be this bonus that you could get that doesn't hurt the team for celebrating a guy that's that's busted his tail and it's made his team better um if they're going to do that or they create the clause inside the contract that says for running backs it's special because we're special players you you grind us up we help the team win 
you won't get back those years. A quarterback can keep on getting better. A receiver can do tricks to get himself not beat up and still be great. You know, even offensive linemen can, for the most part, protect each other through the game, not a running back. You know, it's interesting. In, in the Colts situation, when Andrew Luck quit, Jimmy Ursay gave him $24 million, kind of the same thing you're talking about. He didn't have to. I asked Ursay, and he goes, well, Dan, it was the right thing to do. And I'm sitting there going, all right, well, is that the precedent? Meaning, like the Seahawks did for you, Jonathan Taylor, I, the team hasn't been the good, didn't go to the Super Bowl. I, I get both sides here. What do you think ultimately happens with Taylor? He's on the pup list. What, what do you think happens here? Does he have to play? Is sitting out a decent option? What What is it? You know, I liked what I did, you know, and I, I'm not sure if I liked what San Juan did or what Josh did, which is sign one-year deals. I signed the deal but had the guarantee of no, no longer ever being franchised. So it was like you're there or you're a free agent, and that changes the game a little bit. I don't, I don't know what the guys can do unless the league overall changes the rules or every guy sets this one year and I'm I'm out. And so like now folks will start wrestling with if we get him for one year, how much can we pay him? That could be a little bit better, but it's a little it's a little risque for the player. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, that franchise tag, it, I mean it's not a terrible deal, but it's not the deal, I don't know, that quarterbacks or even here in Indy, we're paying linemen 20 million. You know, mm -hmm. we're paying a left guard 20 freaking million dollars. Now no dis disrespect to left guards, but come on. That's not a left tackle. That's not a quarterback. That's not a running back. That's not a cornerback. It's a left freaking guard, big fat guy. Well, yeah, but, you know, the problem is, is they think, like, we can get another running back that could at least get close to what we're doing because running back, everybody that's even picked up a football has felt like they were a running back before. You know what I mean? Not everybody can throw. You know, if a big 280-pound guy's running at you, everybody can feel like they can get in the way of that guy. Um, and you also know that there's just different guys that can catch, but everybody feels like they can play running back. And that's why even when, you know, you, even for me, like I had scored all those touchdowns, people are like, oh, you know, well, how hard was that? I'm like, bro, it's a running back. Like, come <laughs> on, like that's not an easy job, but because everybody feels like they can do it, you can kind of diminish the impact a running back can have until you got a great one and you pay him well. And, you know, I'm I'm hoping that happens. Well, let me, let me ask you this. You know, people always point to uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, Panchero, Pancheco, uh, he's a sixth, seventh-round pick. But my argument is, and I'm not sure whose side I'm on here. I, I really don't know. But my argument is, yeah, you got Patrick Mahomes and you got Kelsey. Okay, that's different than the Colts having a guy that's going to be a rookie in Anthony Richardson. The value to the team, the value to the offense – should make a difference here, should it not? I, I that's what I say, you know. Like, and you know, and everybody knows Hasselback's my guy. Trent Dilfer was a quarterback my my first year when I took over as a starter. You know, those are my brothers. I love them as big brothers and great great men. But there's a big difference from Brett Favre and Steve Young and Joe Montana and 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 my two guys. You know what I mean? And so the fact of me getting paid well would have been like compared to that offense, like. You know, that team would have still been good as long as they're throwing the ball to Jerry Rice. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, right. and so, like, there's just right. a big difference, you know? It's a big difference. Yeah, there's a, there is a big difference. There, there's, like, I don't know. See, to me, when you say, okay, a running back or whatever position isn't worth this, all right, hold mm. on a second. 
my thing is the team is paying you. The league's not paying you. The team is paying you. What's your worth to that team? That's right. That's the important thing to me. But, you know, but they play the game because they can say you're worth this to our team. But according to the market, you're only worth this. It's because other teams might have killer quarterbacks or killer defenses where all they need to do is, you know, have one or two touchdowns in the game. You know what I mean? And so so like they're playing both hands. Well, you are kind of good to my team, but, you know, we got this quarterback and we got this defense so we can win without you on these other teams, maybe not with the Colts. And so now they can kind of leverage it against them. It's a uh, it is mighty frustrating for a great running back. And, you know, Derrick Henry all the way through to get what their real value is to that team if the team is trying to compare themselves to the locker rooms of other teams. How how important is it in a contract? I know guaranteed money is the thing. I, I get that. But how important is it? You mentioned this earlier, Sean. How, how important is it to get that franchise tag off of your contract? I think it's uh, it was huge for me. And I think the reason is is because that is that team saying, hey, we can pay you this a lot of money for just one year and then we can go do it again if we want to and so like to me i'm always like well let's take some of that hedging that you got to protect you off of you and so you know i had a big contract with the seattle seahawks because after all that was done they were like man is this how we're going to take our first nfl mvp and our first uh, shot at the Super Bowl, and we're going to regard him. Uh, we're going to reward him by saying, "Ah, thanks," and it kicked me out the door. You know what I mean? Like they didn't want to do it that way. I'm thankful, but not a lot of teams have that kind of character. Uh, what What's the players' association in, in this? Uh, are 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 players disappointed with the players' association? I know, I know a couple players that are retired. And they're mm-hmm. like, man, I wish we had the NBA Players Association. Those dudes are getting 60 mil a year, that kind of thing, you know. Uh, where, what, what's the culpability of the Players Association in your mind? You know, I think that the players, everything's moved by players. If players get together, then they can bring the, the NFLPA in. And now they can move on behalf of them. But the players have to get smart, band together, and then have everybody that's for them, you know, move. Um, to just say, hey, y'all go do something, they're going to be like, yeah, we're trying, you know, and it, it doesn't work quite the same. Like they've, they've got to come up with a plan like, hey, like, you know, one of the things I said can happen, like, hey, can we get it where we put this in the contract that the running backs will now be a special part of of the salary cap? You know, what I mean, and you can kind of bonus up for them more than anybody else just because of it, because if not, it just makes sense to get rid of a good player because, you know, in my case, if I average five yards and you get some else to come in and average 4.5, you could probably still win some games if that is going to, you know, instead of you paying nine million, you only have to pay four million. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like that's that's the situation of, uh, uh, that everybody's in. And if they said, well, hey, if there was an average for this and this running back goes above bar, we can set up like what would be the bonus be? And that's just a conversation part of the contract. Well, what would you say if we went to the Super Bowl and we win this and we did this and we got the MVP and we led the league in touchdowns? Would, would that be worth $10 million? You know what I mean? Okay, cool. So now I can I can take this, this bar of $8 million and if I get this, then I get another $10 million. So now I got $18 million for the year. You know what I mean? Like guys would, would be really, really comfortable with that. Um, but just saying like, yeah, we can cut you. You're not that important. That's, that's not truth. You know, it's not truth. 
Yeah, it's got to be frustrating. I mean, you see contracts being signed. Does any of these guys reach out to you, ask for advice, ask for, you know, because of because of your situation? You know, I've got a relationship with a lot of guys across the league for on many different levels. And so that conversation yeah. is with the running backs for sure. Yeah. Uh, the Sean Alexander list of freshmen. I think it's great. You, you announced 30 – the Sean Alexander Award that you announced 37 freshmen. Yeah. Uh, I don't yep. know. I don't follow recruiting like maybe I should, but, you know, I heard Arch Manning, you know, uh, is this a, this will be another great freshman class, right? In college football. Yeah. You know, um, the, the freshman, the college best player in college football, the best freshman in college football um, is named the Sean Alexander freshman player of the year. Um, we're part of the the Maxwell uh, Football Club group, and uh, you know, so the the all the all the great awards with that, the Outland, um, you know, the Doug Walker, you know, so so just clearly, uh, it's an honor to be the the freshman player to be named after me, and it's been named after me for the five years. Trevor Lawrence was our first one. Kenneth Gainswell with the Eagles running back, you know, uh, Will Anderson, who we've been proud, Bama, you know, then you got uh, Brock Bowers, Georgia's tight end, he's just phenomenal, and Drake May was the last to win it. These uh these boys are just amazing football players. Um, their talent jumps off the screen when you see them play, and so it's been really cool to get to know them and and walk with them through uh through life on and off the field. And, uh, and so we start off the year and college football starts, NFL starts, and we say, man, like look, we believe there's something in you that um, could really uh, be a great stand for college football. And, uh, and we've, we've been, we've hit up, we, we've been very proud with all of our answers. So we name out 37 players. Obviously my number was 37 high school, college and pro. And so we name out 37 players and, and those players might not win the award, but there's a great chance because we're watching them like a hog. Um, and seeing who 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 does what, and then about November, the, t- the top of November, we'll come with the semifinalists to be the Fab Fourteen. Um, the beginning of December, we'll name the five finalists in the top five, and then we'll announce the winner. Right around Christmas, we'll we'll pick out the winner so that they can come and play their last freshman game as as the the prince of college football. That's awesome, man. That, that is pretty cool. I mean, look, you you had obviously a not good, but a great freshman season, a great career at Alabama and obviously in the NFL. But a lot of guys have great careers, but to get an award named after you, that's pretty cool, particularly under the Maxwell umbrella, which is as prestigious award. I guess maybe the Heisman's the most prestigious, but the Maxwell's yeah. right there with it. That's pretty yeah. cool. Look at you. Keep flexing. Yeah. Super honored, super honored. You know, um, yeah. everybody like some of the greatest, coolest things. I was like having a street named after you is pretty cool. Uh, you know, you know, you know. But uh, but but this one was pretty cool. You know, I, I took my my son when I went down to Alabama um, to give Will Anderson his award a couple years ago, and my son was eleven. And uh, and he said, "Oh, Dad, did you did you win the Heisman?" I said, "No, I didn't. That's that's Derrick Henry's right there." Oh, okay. So he looks over there. Oh, did you did you win um, the Doak Walker? No, 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 that's so and so. He goes, oh, how, Dad, there's your name right there. He goes, Oh, did you win this award? I said, No. And and then my friend said, No, son, Alexander is the award. I said, Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. That they don't no no don't be the worker, be the owner. You know what I mean? <laughs> be the damn owner of the. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Great stuff, yeah. man. Absolutely great stuff. Thank you for coming on. Hope to have you again. Yeah, no doubt. We'll do it again, hey, bro. Hey, by the way, hold on. Hold on. Happy birthday. What are you, 28? Uh, yes. 
Uh, no, no, 46. I can't believe it. Like, you no, know, that, not. yeah, that I played in the 2000 Orange Bowl against Michigan and in the January 1st, 2000, against some some quarterback no one ever heard of named Tom Brady. And I thought, I'm smashing this team touchdown after touchdown. And they started coming back. I was like, I thought Michigan was a running school. You know what I mean? Like it, to think that that was 24 <laughs> years ago is is mind blowing. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, even uh, winning the MVP in 05, I'm like, gosh, like that was like over 15 years ago. Like it's a uh, time's flying and it, and it's good, man. Did you guys – let me go back to that Orange Bowl. Did you guys have a sense even before the game that what Brady was or – I mean, obviously you didn't know he was going to become that. But, <laughs> you know, did you did you know what he was? Did you have a feel? You know what? I didn't until after I watched the game. I said, hey, that guy's pretty yeah. good. So then, so then you have the, the, uh, the draft, and, you know, everybody's like, oh, Sean, you'll be a top five pick, and everybody thought I was going to go to the Ravens or the Giants and – the Giants, the Ravens picked Jamal Lewis, my brother, and the Giants picked Ron Dane at 10. And I was like, what? I wanted to go to New York. And then Seattle trades up at 19 and grabs me. They're like, we couldn't believe you're here. Um, we go to the rookie symposium, and I and I see Tom, and I said, bro, you're going to be amazing. And he said, man, why do you say that? Yeah, Tom's just a humble dude. He's like, man, thank you. Why do you say that? And I said, I've probably been in a zone a, a lot of times in my career that's the first time I knew I was in a zone and got beat. I was like, it, it just doesn't happen. Like, so right. I played like 150, three touchdowns in that game, and we lose. When a running back gets put 150 and three touchdowns, you don't usually lose, and uh, and uh, and we lost. And uh, so I, I was just like, all right, this this guy I'm gonna watch. I said I'm gonna watch him. He's gonna be awesome. And man, he 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 even went past the expectations I thought of him. You know, so so it's pretty cool. I've been really proud of yeah. him. Yeah. Hey, last, last thing, Blake Bortles is bored in retirement, so he joined the construction crew that's building his house. Would you ever do that? Would you ever join the construction crew? That's how bored uh, he is. Man, no. <laughs> no. No. no I'll, I'll have a more fun no. time helping these these uh, these young superstars in the league and helping some of the college players yeah. become great. You know, I'll, I'll add that way, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> I get it. No, I get it. I, I totally get it. Hey, appreciate you, Sean. Thank you. All right, now. All right. Hey, the Sean Alexander Freshman of the Year Award is, well, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, Will Anderson, you name it. If you're great, you're going to be on the Sean. I, you know what? Um, I remember watching him, and I had nothing to do. I did. I mean, I didn't know Seattle. I didn't care. I'm a Bears fan. I'm an Indian or a, a, a Colts fan, and I loved watching Sean Alexander play. I did. I remember his freshman year. That's how old I am. I remember his freshman year at Alabama, and it, it was great. It really was. Hey, look, here's the deal. Uh, you want to hear the greatest bar promotion? It was only in Wisconsin, all right? Only in Wisconsin and only relative to Aaron Rodgers do we have things like this. Listen to this. I want you to listen to this. There is a bar that will pay the tabs of customers whenever Aaron Rodgers and the Jets loses this year. That's right. According to For the Win, in order to qualify, a person must have opened the tab 15 minutes before kickoff and food is not covered. So what they're going to do is if Rodgers loses, they're going to pay your bar tab, not your food and beverage tab, your bar tab. So you go 
you hang out, you go 15 minutes early, you put yourself out in there, you get a tab, next thing you know, you're watching Rodgers and you're doing what everybody else, everybody else in the bar is doing, which is, of course, in Wisconsin, certainly in Green Bay, you are rooting against Aaron Rodgers. See, this is why I love fans. This is why I love fun. All right? I love this because this is fun. And this bar is freaking awesome. And the truth of the matter is, I can see somebody saying, well, you know, this is just disgusting. They rooted for him when he was there, and now he's not there, so they don't root for him. Well, duh. That's my answer to everything. Duh. Oh, really? Yes. Duh. It's called Jake Jack's American Pub. That's right. That's right. Jack's American Pub ain't messing around. It is Jets lose, you lose. Yeah. It's in Milwaukee. So if you're in that area, here it goes. It is September 11th, 7:15 Central Time game. It is the Jets. It is against the Buffalo Bills. If the Jets lose, you win, baby. You win at Jack's American Pub. Nothing says Merck. Nothing says America like a bet on football. There you go. All right. I got to talk about this because I, I don't know. College game day says, hey, wait a second. College game day had... Coming to your city. That is uh, big and rich. John Rich, who lives in Nashville, I think he's in a hassle. Is he in a hassle with the boys from Hot Mike or was he in a hassle with Paul? I don't know. But anyway, John Rich, big and rich, that's who sings that song. And it was a hit. Coming to your city. You know, great. Well, guess what? Now they're upset. Who's upset? Game day's upset. Because ladies and gentlemen, because John Rich is a staunch conservative. John Rich is a very vocal conservative. ESPN, NNNNN, cannot have that. So their iconic song, which made everybody dance, well, guess what? They got rid of it. They are going to use, and I want to make sure I get this right, the new singers are going to include, of course, Darius Rucker. Well, that's good. Lainey Wilson, don't know who that is, and the Cadillac 3. The Cadillac 3. Look, I don't care whether you are black, white, conservative. I don't care whether you are Christian, whether you are rap. I don't care. One of the things that I've always said about music is this. You like who you like. Period. You like who you like. Isn't that what music is all about? You like who you like. Hey, look, I like the song Brandy by Looking Glass. Why? My Little League coach wrote it. He sold it to Looking Glass for 1500 bucks. So my family, we've always loved Brandy. I like the song, too. I was doing a show. I was doing a show on radio, and I'm talking about Brandy. Guy calls in, African-American guy, and he starts laughing. He says, damn, and he's had this voice. He goes, Dan, I'm a brother from the streets. And I go, yeah? He goes, I got to tell you, I like Brandy too. I go, really? He goes, Dan, you like what you like. That's right. You like what you like. 
So, hey, if it is a good song, I don't care what your political views are. I don't care if Eminem doesn't want Vivek Ramaswamy to talk about or sing or rap or karaoke his song. I don't care about that. What I care about is what I like. And I like, and we're coming to your city. I like that. So now hopefully ESPN can get something better. But here's the deal with ESPN. It never works out that way. Whenever ESPN goes woke and they get rid of folks that aren't in the ESPN diversity sphere, the content gets worse. You cannot tell me that ESPN is better without Sage Steele. You can't tell me that. You just can't. And there's others. There's others. All right, Merle Code was a known, I don't know if he was a cheat. I don't know what he was. I honestly don't. But he was involved with Adidas. Merle Code was a guy that in the college basketball circles, everybody wanted to kind of know. He was a guy that could get things done. He was a guy that if you needed players, he could get things done. All right. Merle Code went to jail. Merle Code went to jail because Merle Code somehow, some way, was involved in the cheating at the time, I guess, of college basketball. Very few guys went to jail. Very few. Merle Code was one of them. He was convicted in prison for his actions while working as a consultant for Nike. What that meant was he was the go-between between players, great high school players, and getting them set up with Adidas, excuse me, not Nike. So Code goes to jail. All right, now, and I hope he gets his due justice. I hope he gets what he wants. I don't know. He wants legal fees, other damages. I don't know the exact amount. But he absolutely, and everybody knew this, was working on behalf with the approval of Adidas. And if he didn't, then it was certainly assumed by everybody that Code could hook players up with Adidas. That's what Merle Code is suing. He's like, look, Adidas, I was working with your approval. Now, I don't know. I have no idea. None. Zero. Zip. Idea. Who gave him approval? I don't know. What I do know is people assumed, assumed that he, Merle Code, was absolutely working for Adidas. And anybody that thought otherwise, or anybody that says they thought otherwise, is straight lying to you. Straight lying. I side with Merle Code. I want Merle Code to get his just desserts because, frankly, he got screwed in all that. A lot of guys should have lost their jobs. A lot of guys, coaches were cheating. A lot of guys used this guy. He used them fine. But damn, this dude did three months in jail while college basketball coaches out there winning national championships, getting big money deals, and cheating just the same as Merle Code. I hope Merle Code wins. I hope he wins big time. I mean big time. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, I don't know where I stand on Donald Trump. Like, I don't know where I stand on it. I don't know if I think he can be president. I, it seems to me, anyway, that when you're facing over 40, I don't know, charges, that it's going to be difficult to beat all of them. Doesn't, you know, guilty on one? Make it a problem. But here's what's interesting about Donald Trump, and we've seen this and we have talked about this. Donald Trump getting arrested. And the the mugshot of Donald Trump has seemingly awakened a lot of the members of the African-American community to say, wait a second here. This guy's like us. This guy gets falsely imprisoned. This guy has a problem with the law just like us. And the African-American community is coming out. And look, do I suggest that they are coming out in full force? But no. How about this? Donald Trump with cornrows is pretty good. Get hard. Dom Lucre. Dom Lucre is a great follow on Twitter. I don't know. Lucre, Lucre, I don't know. But it's really good on Twitter. And there it is. The man in cornrows. How good is that? Seriously. How funny is that? It's unbelievable. I don't know. You know, like, I would have serious concerns. I always try to put myself in the position of other people, and I would have serious concerns if I were Donald Trump about am I going to jail? I mean, you wake up every day, and these charges could all add up to treason. It could all add up to lifetime in jail. I always look for the worst and then come back. But, hey, look, he doesn't seem to be sweating it, and people seem to be supporting him. He's raised over, I don't know, $9 million now, I guess, is the tab on the mugshot. People from all walks of life are saying this is wrong. People are starting to wake up to Hunter Biden and the crimes of the Biden crime family. And now the African-American community, which 20% of African-Americans, particularly males, voted for Trump the last time. Odd that Joe Biden thinks that those 20% aren't really black, but he is. I mean, just we have such idiots in this world that it just makes you crazy. But this is fascinating. This is very, very fascinating, and it bears watching. Two things. One, is Trump going to be out of jail enough to actually become the president? And two, what's going to be the African-American vote? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. And here's the other thing, and this is the overlying. This is the umbrella over all of this. Ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you a question. How is this election going to go? Are we going to have voter ID? Or what are we going to have here? I'm not suggesting anything that it's curious because all of these things are up in the air and I'm fascinated. I really and truly fascinated. You know, I'm always fascinated by what the hell Wednesday. I'm always fascinated by what our crack staff, not our crack, not our staff on crack, but what our crack staff comes up with. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the hit, the segment that's sweeping the nation. What in the Sam hell Wednesday? Bring it on, Dylan and Ryan. What's numero uno? Are you guys ready? Yep. One, two, three. Oh, jeez. Are you guys 
What in the hell? He cuts her off. He's looking at her. He's staring right through the window. And look at her. She wants to win the race. Did she bend down to help him? No. Did she say, are you okay? No. Apparently the race is down and back because good for her. Hey, look, ain't my problem you're a moron. Ain't my problem you ran through glass. Are you okay? Are you hurt? What's going on? What's going on? What are we doing? No, none of that. She just runs back. Hell hath no fury like a woman competing. Seriously, watch. Watch this clown. He cuts her off. He's taunting her right there, right there, right there. Boom. Oh, my God. Did you ever see Veep or did you ever see Two and a Half Men? In Veep, Julia, Julia Louis-Dreyfus walks through a window kind of like this. And she'll cut up. In Two and a Half Men, Charlie walks through his own backsliding glass door and gets all cut up. Now, I got to tell you. They're cut up. Now, I'm not suggesting that those two things are real, but I am suggesting in my mind, if I, and I saw, uh, there was a game. I was at ESPN. Dick Vitale had taken a Tuesday game at Michigan. He walked through a glass door and he did the game all cut up. It was unbelievable. She didn't even turn around. She didn't even turn back. Gritty, she did nothing. She just kept running back. I love her. She's a competitor. All right, what's number two? Oh, God. Get out. He hit a payphone. Don't all of these make you go, uh? We're scared. That's a payphone. I don't know where this is, but that's a payphone. Now, you got a payphone. I don't know. I don't know. The truth of the matter is, he ain't right. He's not hurt. But you know what? I'm kind of tired of skateboarding guys. I'm kind of tired. I'm kind of tired of everybody around the country. Everywhere I go, guys are on rails. Guys, it's talent that I don't have. Don't get me wrong. So maybe I'm a little bit jealous. But I'm never upset when skateboard guy runs into something, particularly when he hits his cratch. Never upset about the old cratch. Hit yourself in the cratch. All right, let's go to number three. These are awesome. Oh, God. Watch this guy flip. And he's lucky. That's a big old tire. Look at the one dude. He just gets the motorcycle and gets out of the way. People get flown in the air, knocked down. Watch this guy. Let's see. That's a whole flip. Ah! And that's a big old, have you ever tried to lift a tire? Have you ever tried to push a tire? It's a great workout. It's one of the great workouts that boot camps and things like that do. They flip tires. They do all that stuff. If you've ever tried to do it, it ain't fun. And if that thing falls on your head, hey, look, I got to say, you're gone. Look at this. Look at, ow. And on his shoulder, on his knee, I'll give the guy credit. He gets out of the way, I suppose, of the tire, and he gets up. Look at this. 
Hey, guys, how high do you think this is? He's got his foot on it, which flips it back. Holy hell. Is that crazy? Is that insane? The answer to both is yes, it is crazy. And yes, it is insane. Absolutely nuts. Holy crap. Let's go to number four. You knew the big one was getting smacked. Oh, man. Oh, my God. People are tough. Why are you standing there? Why? I'm just going to assume that's not a military person so I can make fun of the person. If it's a military person and those are fatigues, I think that's just a Saturday night with a big one. Boom! People do crazy stuff. Like, you know what never happens? That kind of thing never happens on my couch. Now, I'm not going to tell you something like that doesn't happen on a golf course. I hit a shot yesterday from a service road, and a freaking boulder came up and smacked me and made me bleed. Yeah, that's right. I'm that kind of tough. I should wear a helmet when I'm golfing. One of the few guys. But look at her skate across, and she just gets up. People are insanely tough in this world. I would be down for the count. There'd be scrapes on my leg this big. I couldn't sleep in the bed. You know when you played baseball or softball and you cut your ass because you slid into second base? It's crazy. Let's go to number five. Why? Why are you in the wrong way? New York City heads be different. Uh, there is not a helmet on that man's head. The question becomes, why are you playing chicken with a car? Here's another question. If you hit this idiot who was clearly on the wrong side, would you have to stop and see how he is? I think you do. But the question becomes, why is this clown on the wrong side of the road? Why is he riding in the middle of the street? Now, don't ride in the middle of the street. You're going to say to me, well, why is the guy hit him? I'll tell you why the guy or gal, whoever's in the minivan, hits him, because they're on their phone. That's right. It happens every day. People are on their phones. They're just on their phones acting like clowns. And next thing you know, you got injury. Don't get in the street because people are on their phones. Period. They're not paying attention. They're going to hit you. Look at it. Show that. Guy's popping a wheelie in the middle of the street. How'd that go for you, pal? I get it. You're wearing red, which means people should be able to see you. It's the middle of the day, which means people, look at that. He's popping a wheelie and he gets clipped. I'll tell you this, the bike doesn't look terrible. He seems to get up, but you're right. New York City heads be different. All right, is this number six? I've lost count. Let's go to number six or five. size on a wobbly roof. You cannot put it. What is this? This is like a bus terminal CTA in Chicago. Guy walks under. It's just dumb to walk under when biggins are up top. Look, you got, you hate to do it, but when a big old gal is up there shaking it and then other dudes are up there playing guitar and the thing is shaking, you know what's happening. 
You know you got 350 right here, up top dancing. Then others think, well, I'm going to join Big Sister up top, and next thing you know, we got a catastrophe. We just got a catastrophe, and we're not surprised. We're not surprised at all. Is there one more, or did I miss one, or did I nail all six? Did we go with six? If I missed one, let's go to the next one. Let me know. I can't remember. (laughs) It's hard for me to count to five or six, but I guess I got it right. Uh, Thank you. All right, Jim Harbaugh needed to do this. Jim Harbaugh, the embattled coach of Michigan, who has won two straight Big Ten titles, hasn't won a game in the college football playoff, but I really don't care about that. Jim Harbaugh. Well, he's gotten to the college football playoff. He's beaten his rival twice. He's resurrected his career. Except that Jim Harbaugh's a cheat. Except that Jim Harbaugh decided he was going to lie to the NCAA. But now Jim Harbaugh's banging the desk. We should all be about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm calling for a system that is fair, equitable, and benefits all involved. All right, great. Okay, who's not? Don't exclude the student-athletes from the profits. They're not. Soon now he's making a ton of money, my opinion. You can't say you're about diversity, equity, inclusion if you aren't willing to include the student-athletes in revenue sharing. Of course you can. Just because you spout out diversity, equity, and inclusion doesn't mean we're all supposed to bend over, spread the cheeks. That doesn't mean that. It means, yeah, I'm all about diversity, equity, inclusion, but I'm also about the school. I'm also about the sport. And I want to do what's right for the school, and I want to do what's right for the sport so that more kids that are diverse have the opportunity to participate so that the sport doesn't injure itself to the point where, oh, I don't know, people get tired of it. Uh, Don't tell me I'm wrong here. Don't tell me it's impossible. Baseball, America's pastime, people got tired. Boxing at one point was the biggest sport on the planet, and I said the planet on purpose, worldwide. Now it's barely a footnote. So Jim Harbaugh, who just got suspended for three uh, games, is now beating the desk. He's changing the narrative. He's Joe biting us. And he's using all of the little words that Megan Rapino would use. You can't have this without that. Of course you can. Now, of course you can. You can have diversity, equity, and inclusion. Hey, look, speaking of equity, Jim, let a white guy be a cornerback. I didn't see any white guy cornerbacks on your team. Let that happen. Make that happen, Jim. That's equitable. Look, I've always said this. I don't care what you do to pay players. Payers have, players have always been paid. Scholarship to me, not having to work at Scott Ladd Food, that was payment to me. Maybe it's not to you. Maybe you wanted millions. I didn't think, actually. I always felt like Indiana basketball could go on, along fine without me. I always felt like Indiana basketball could get along fine without any of us. It was an honor and a privilege to play basketball at Indiana. Whoever made the sales to sell Indiana basketball or the Big Ten to networks, good for you, man. That was your job. My job was to play and go to school. And I got paid nicely for it. That's how I look at it. Now, times have changed. But I don't buy for a second. It begs the question, is Jim Harbaugh lying now? I mean, he lied then. He's been full of crap on a lot of issues. So in this, is Jim Harbaugh lying now? I think he is. I think Jim Harbaugh realized, hey, look, Kind of a liar, kind of a cheat. My own school said I was a liar and a cheat. I got to do something. I got to change the narrative about me. So Jim Harbaugh wants NCAA revenue sharing for athletes. Good for him. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should change the narrative on me. Maybe I should say that everybody's great. I don't know. 
Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, Billy Walters blames Phil Mickelson for his 2017 convict, claiming he could have prevented his daughter's suicide if he was free. Well, look, we all want to blame others. And those of you that know and understand things, understand that it's never the individual's fault. Billy Walters, one of the all-time gamblers in the history of our country, one of the all-time profiteers of gambling in the history of our country, chose a lifestyle. He chose a lifestyle where that guy got to go anywhere he wanted to go, do whatever he wanted to do. He made millions of dollars gambling. Decided his, to cho- his choice to hang out with Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson did what a lot of people did. He ratted him out, at least allegedly, at least according to Billy Walters. 2017, Walters went to the can. Walter's daughter committed suicide. Maybe he could have. Maybe if Billy Walters didn't have all the answers as a con man, a gambler. And I respect it, and I've read about him, and I enjoy that kind of stuff. I do. But maybe he could have prevented his daughter's suicide by not getting into that lifestyle, by not putting Phil Mickelson in a position where he had to, to save his own backside, rat somebody out, allegedly. I don't know. But it seems like one of the things that we always want to do is blame others. It's not my fault. It's his fault that caused this that greatly affected me. And I don't buy it. Look, I get made fun of all the time for our family term, sack up. Sack up means, hey, look, take responsibility for your actions. Again, key word, your actions. Period. Sack up. You get fired, sack up. Things go great, sack up. Things don't go great, sack up. Keep going. Life is going to throw you a bunch of crap. I say it all the time. This is a baby. The doctor smacks the baby on the backside. He doesn't say your life is going to be easy and fair and full of roses, popcorn, and peaches. He smacks you so that at least you're used to crying. Get the crap out of your lung. Let's go. Billy Walters, sack the hell up. You're desperate. You're trying to sell a book. You hate Mickelson. We get it. But you chose that lifestyle. You chose to deal with people like Phil Mickelson. You chose to break the law. You had to go to jail. Bingo. He gone. Don't blame others. Don't blame others. You and I both know suicide is a very complex issue. All right, Jessica Simpson, I was just asking. The other day, we were having a discussion about the first reality show, and I said, you know, I think the first reality show was that Nick Lachey and Jessica Simpson. And then, of course, that spurred a comment about whatever happened to Jessica Simpson. Well, Jessica Simpson, at least in this picture, got ripped and got herself some big old lips. Ladies, don't do the lip thing. Only lip thing you should do is pull it up a little bit. Most women are getting that little tuck up. Lee keeps asking me, should I get a little lip thing? I go, don't touch the lips. I've not seen a woman yet, and maybe the ones that don't have a problem with the lips, maybe you don't notice. But look at this. Don't do the lip thing. But Jessica Simpson is leaving Los Angeles and moving to Nashville to live by like-minded people. Now, there's a lot of jokes in there because Jessica Simpson came across as ditzy. But that's all right. She said, it's because... I'm not on guard. I'm with a lot of like-minded people. It's not about the celebrities. It's really about music. 
and the heart and the conversation. Now, I'll tell you what you're going to find, Jessica Simpson, and good for you. Jessica Simpson is going to find that, hey, look, there are still some maniacs out there on the far left that, like they did to Tommy Lauren, they're going to throw eggs at you. They're not going to be happy with you. You can't escape all the crazies. But one thing you can't escape is most of the crazies. And most of the crazies live in L.A. And they lie and they're awful under the guise of being the most tolerant. We all know that's been exposed as complete crap. But Jessica Simpson, welcome to my second favorite city in the world. My first is Gary, Indiana. My second favorite city in the world, Nash Vegas, where every time I go to Nash Vegas, I got to wring out my liver because my daughter feels the need to entertain Lee and I in every bar on Broadway. And then I get with Chad or I get with Haley or I get with Aaron. And next thing you know, we're having more beers. I just want a good nap. That's all I want. Last night, I was pissed. We played golf till it was dark. Then we went in, settled up. I had a beer. I have two beers max. So I had two beers. Next thing you know, I got home around 9.15. That's past my bedtime. It is. Usually, I'm thinking about shutting it down around 9-ish. So by the time I got home, took care of the dog, Lee's gone, had a little something to eat, did some laundry. True story. It was like 10.30 before I went to bed. Who can go to bed that late? It's insane. Absolutely insane. Vogue magazine, my ass. Powerhouse woman that, well, there's a lot of powerhouse women. The one you picked ain't right. All right. It's woke dope time. Come on, Jessica. You can do better than that. Jessica's ripped, though. I always thought Jessica Simpson was hot. I like a little meat on the bones. Except I like Lee. Lee's kind of ripped. Anyway, and then she dominates me. You know what I'm saying? Like I get flung over. <laughs> Give me a woke dope. Sometimes you got to make yourself laugh. Oh, boy. Oh, no, that's not Big Mike. Uh, I'm a historical figure, and I walk in history every day. Biden corruption pit. Lady, you are right in the middle of the Biden corruption pit, but I don't blame you. I've told you before, I love this job. This job that I'm currently having could be described as a dream job. People think my dream job was head coach at Indiana. No, my dream job was shortstop of the Chicago Cubs, forward for the Chicago Bulls, or press secretary to the president of the United States. I did not care what party. And look, As a fellow wannabe press secretary, I'm not mad at you, Jean-Pierre. I think you're stupid for saying you're a historical figure. I mean, just because, well, I don't know, right? You're a lesbian. You're an African-American. I don't make you a historical figure. That just makes you the modern-day woke person that everybody wants to put in front of a camera so that they feel better about themselves. I'm just saying. Thank you, Gary. You're right. I did kind of preface it. Anyway, and she's right in the corruption pit, period. Get out of the pit, lady, and think for yourself. But speaking as a wannabe press secretary, I ain't mad at you, KJP. You do you. You're working for the man. Who's next? Woken and doping. Seriously, Gary, Jessica Simpson was hot. I don't know. I always thought she looked hotter when she had a little size to her. (laughs) Look at this guy. 
Spartacus, Snorticus. You know, at some point, don't we believe that at some point, doesn't it have to happen? Doesn't this guy have to be behind bars? Doesn't this guy have to get his comeuppance? I mean, this dude was, in fact, at the White House, allegedly, when, I don't know, the cocaine was found. Is that a coincidence? Sure. Let's go with coincidence. But doesn't at some point, at some point, this clown have to, have to go to jail? Now, he can put his, you know, he can lay down in front of the American people and say, you know, I've had all these problems. My mother passed away. My sister passed away. Uh, It led me astray. Do that. Do that. Because, look, they got Gotti. They did. They got Gotti. Every great crime figure in this country, they got Capone. They did. They haven't gotten Sharpton, but hey, look, he's above the law. But every great white crime figure in this country, I feel like they've gotten. I feel like eventually you end up behind bars. They got Nixon. He didn't end up behind bars, but he resigned. They got, they got uh, Clinton. I didn't go to jail. I don't know why I looked up that way, like I was going to find something in the air. But I feel like it's just a matter of time before this guy finds himself behind bars. And when he does, we're going to have Curtis Sliwa on to give us all the jail analogies. Concrete facial. That kind of stuff. All right, what's next? If a mechanic took 47 years to work on your car and it was still broken, would you hire him for another 44 years? That's a great question. Can you imagine this dude has been in politics sucking off the teat of the taxpayer for 47 years? 47. And he's done jack squat other than side with Robert Byrd, Grand Poobah of the KKK at one point, uh, side with Strom Thurmond, who is America's, well, supposedly America's racist. And now all of a sudden he's the great uniter even though he unites nothing. He's a great emancipator. He's a great leader of the African-American community to the point where if you ain't voting for him, you ain't black. Nobody was responsible other than the people themselves for putting more African-American males in jail than this guy. And yet, he has been the worst president of our lifetime, and somehow, someway, I'm betting, if I had to go gun to head right now, I'd bet he wins it again. I would. I would bet he wins it again. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying I go gun to head. I go gun to head, and gun to head never lies. And I would say that he gets her done again. Just my thought. Ladies and gentlemen, you're awesome. Thank you for your continued support of our show. We've, uh-oh. If Quiddy Pay has more, has the most sacks with 18 and a half, it's actually Nick Boza, but I like to screw with Dan. Please do not fact check <laughs> since 2022. Quiddy Pay don't have squat. Quiddy Pay doesn't maybe have 10 sacks. Get out of here. Where's Quiddy Pay in this list? I love it. You're back. Ryan, you can do anything you want anytime. Ryan's clever. Ryan and Dylan are clever. You guys do whatever you want. Screw with me all you would like. I used to like it when you would put pictures of me up. Those were the good old days. 
Uh, hey, subscribe and like. And don't, uh, I don't always run. But when I, <laughs> can you send that to me? Seriously. Can you, I love that. That's going to be, that is going to be my new profile picture on Twitter. To hell with my wife and I. That's cliche. To hell with that. That's my new profile picture. I don't always run. But when I do, it's to the potty. Have a great afternoon, everybody.